Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the V Circle episode. I'm not going to say what episode it is, but ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the V Circle. It is your boy Vince B. And uh, we got a special guest with us today. Special guest. Let's see what we got. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we got my boy on the line. Yo, yo, what's up, what's up, what's up, man? <laughs> How's everybody doing, man? We're real, real excited to be on the show tonight, man. Thank you, Vince. Shoot, man. Y'all, I've been trying to get my, my brother on the line for a minute. Um, you know, if y'all watched All American, you probably seen him in a few little clips. Uh, season you, three, season three, episode ten. Season three, episode ten. Y'all make sure y'all 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 watch that. Um, you know, USC grad. You know, pursuing his masters right now. Uh, LSU, right? Yeah, I'm at, I'm at Louisiana State University. Helen, 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 all the way from Jersey. All the way from the greatest state in America, <laughs> so the Jersey 973, don't we do? All the way from the Jersey, the Jersey, yes, sir. Jersey, you feel me? <laughs> you know, we, we do, we do. You know? Shoot, man, shoot. We got a lot to talk about, man. We got a lot to hash out. You are an actor, you know what I'm saying? If y'all don't know, this, this man has been around the world, London, I mean, Sweden, I mean, just all over the place, L.A., <laughs> Uh, Atlanta. Um, I mean, the guy, the guys making moves, y'all. The guys making moves for sure. Um, y'all, y'all gonna be seeing him in theaters pretty soon. It, it's it's a matter of time. Um, but shoot, yeah, man, yes, it's been a lot that's that's happened. First, before we even get into the main shit, let's just get into your background, man. Like, obviously, we know you from Jersey, but like, you know what what was it like? You know what I'm saying for you, like. Like, how did you become the person that you are, you know, today? You know, you're so driven. You're always on the move, grinding, trying to take things to the next level. Like, how was your upbringing and kind of cultivating that that uh, that drive within you? I mean, that's, yeah, that's a, you know, I, I call it, Joseph Campbell calls it, you know, uh, a hero's journey, right? Mm. You know, it's pretty much the the uh, character arc that, that he created to sort of um, have characters go on this compelling journey to where they come out, they start off as a regular person, but they come out a hero. We see that with, you know, Jon Snow from Game of Thrones. He goes from being a bastard to eventually being, you know, king of the North and helping them win the war. You know, we see that with Harry Potter and stuff. And so mm. even Rocky, the Rocky series, right? Rocky was just a regular Joe Smoke. Right. So, you know, I started to look at myself like that, like my own you know my, myself as a hero you know it literally it starts off with you know there's this the call to action the call to challenge right and then you meet the mentor you know and the right. hero's by about to turn around but then he meets the mentor and then he crosses to the other side mm. he goes through a series of obstacles and challenges he, he 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 accomplishes a few of them but then he has those bigger tests that test him right and if you can get through those things then he becomes a hero so for me you know, growing up, I was an athlete. I played sports. To this day, I love sports. Sports are so much a part of my life. Still a part of my life to this day. Um, sports and storytelling are the two things that I live my life on and help. I usually depend on one or the other when I'm in a really a bad funk. But they're always the two pillars that run my life. Mm. But around my junior year of high school, 
um, sports was starting to fail me. You know, my mom was losing her job. We were losing the house. And when that happened, I found myself going to theater. I found myself like literally skipping practice to go to the theater room and just air it out, talk about what I was going through at the time. You know, there was this new uh, teacher, the mentor, right? There was this new drama teacher who used to teach theater in juvies. And he would make us do these poems or recite poems or recite these little speeches from movies or plays. And I just said to him, like, can I write my own? Mm. I don't connect with none of this. And he was like, absolutely. So what started as a way for me to escape became a whole new world I was creating. And so I guess made my first hero's journey was stepping into that drama room and meeting him, Bruce Cloud, who will become one of my biggest mentors to this day. Um, we will go on that year, the rest of that year to do, you know, different small little stuff in class. And even though I was still bouncing baseball, come to my last term there, he was like, yo man, there's this musical and I would love for you to audition. I'll make you a background dude. And um, if you do that, you know, maybe we can play baseball and you can do the musical at the same time. I'm like, perfect. Background dude, nothing. I, I can do a little backward or something, you know, da, da, da. Right. And I saw the call board and he made me the lead. Uh, that, that's, something, that's something I do want to touch on. So, like, for me, you know, obviously, you know, those of you guys that heard my hour-long podcast, my very first one, um, you know, when I was in, you know, growing up in Richmond and stuff like that, you know, obviously, you know, living in the hood and having a certain mentality, um, you know, the drugs and all that kind of stuff. But it wasn't until um, I got this job and I was selling newspaper subscriptions door to door. Um, I think I was like 13 or something like that. And this guy was passing out flyers in the neighborhood. You can make 300 to 500 dollars a week. And, you know, we was all on the block, you know, looking at this corny dude passing out flyers. He passes us a flyer. We look at him. We like, we should rob this nigga. And, you know, we get the flyer. We looking at it. And everybody else is like, man, I ain't doing that shit. And they balled it up. They throw it away. And I looked at it and I was like, you know what? I'm calling the number. You know what I'm saying? I called the number. Um, mm-hmm. And I did the job. And, you know, those 13, 14 years, I was, you know, all I knew was the hood. All I knew was this men, this this mentality and just being in this environment. And when I got in that van the very first day, you know, he took us to San Mateo, you know, and I'm like, I ain't never been to San Mateo, you wow. know, and, and we're, you know, we're in, the, in this white neighborhood in San Mateo. Hey, do this street. Um, and I'm like what you know what i'm saying like it was just a brand new and i seen all the houses they all looked the same and i would knock on doors and you know people would open the door and there's black families white families hispanic families and they got money and they're they're they got dogs and kids and everyone's happy and nice yep, cars yep. and pools and mm-hmm. shit and like it started to make me think like the world is bigger than my block like it, it's bigger than my mentality and that's what kind of gave me the openness to like believe that there's more to like life than just like my my block radius so what 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 was that trigger for you that like exposed you and made you like have that openness to try because a lot of the things you that you talk about especially being an actor you know um the roles the different roles you had to play you know, some people wouldn't dare play those roles. You know what I'm saying? Some people weren't, would, wouldn't dare believe 
that they can try out for these kind of things, you know what I'm saying, or, or attempt these things. So what 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 sparked that openness to try these new things and to believe that there's more in you than what, you know, your parents put in you or what the environment put in you? I, it's a little bit of nature. It's a little bit of nurture, I believe. I've always been such a curious person. I've always been fascinated with people who are complex, who could do this and do that and do the third. You know, growing up, I didn't talk about my, my childhood growing up, but me and my brother, you know, when my parents separated and stuff, single mom with three kids, and my brother had a lot of freedom. And so again, I thought it was a mistake at first. Like, what do you mean, what do you mean? What, what was I supposed to be? I wasn't a leader, nothing. You know what I'm saying? I'm, talking, right. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a leader. <laughs> right, you know? right. It makes you it makes you realize that like it's not always about you believing in you, but the people around you believe in you. Mm-hmm. You know, he saw things in me that I couldn't even see. I think that happens a lot of times in life. Yeah, we do we do that musical. I have never to this day heard a crowd yell for me that loud, and I knew it. I knew this is where I belonged. I would continue to write more and more about my childhood, about my parents divorcing and the domestic abuse of my of my household, about how my father did me the same way, way his my grandfather did him. Mm. How those cycles of abuse were never really broken. Theater became a way for me to understand the world that I grew up in, this sort of kid caught in the middle between suburbs and cities, you know, between, you know, African-American experiences, you know, of migrational experiences to my grandparents and me between love and, and lust and like all these things in between theater became that space for me. It became my therapy, my place of refuge, my place of inspiration. And slowly sports was starting. The values of sports were still there. Mm-hmm. Hard work, teamwork, discipline, you know, spontaneity, you know, being the man, putting on a show. That's all still there. But theater took the front seat. So mm. from there, I was like, all right, bet. Ready to go to Los Angeles. Ready to be a star. You know? And, uh, you know, skirt life happens, right? <laughs> oh, you're broke. You're 18. You have no money. You have no mm. job. Yeah. And you're a little bit idealistic. No, this mm. isn't. You're not white. All right? You, you can't just take off a year and your parents can pay if you live in Los Angeles for a year. Right. right? You know, you don't even have the place to live in because you're about to get evicted. You yeah. know? So... Also at the time, you know, me and my brother, we were kind of really popular out of high school and we were sort of known as kind of the two head honchos and stuff. And so we ended up both going to community college together. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was at community college where I learned the second part of, of what it takes to, to really live out a dream. So the first part is somebody believes in you, you meet the mentor, you go on that. And that first real test is do you know how to work hard? Mm. Mm. I would become a garbage man in, in, in my community college. So I would be, you know, 6.30 in the morning. Woo! Garbage truck. man. Oh, my God. Truck. We call it in Jersey. <laughs> I don't know what it's like in Texas, but see, people ride the back of the truck, right? Mm-hmm. In New York City, New Jersey, we, you, have, you have to really physically ride the back of the garbage truck, get off the truck, load it with, with, with trash, get back on the truck, and ride it and dipping and ducking between trees and streetlights and cars and branches and people. Mm. It's called Riding the Iron Horse. It's actually a play I'm working on. Mm, Iron the Iron Horse, okay. <laughs> Iron Horse, baby. Got to ride that Iron Horse. Oh, my you know? God. So, that experience of not just 
not getting there at six thirty. No, you start at six thirty, which means you're there at six. You're at six fifteen latest, right? Right. And you're working. And I don't know you. You spent some years in New Jersey. You know how to win this. Yeah. I'm them winners. Them winners ain't no joke. The winners make you rethink a whole lot of life decisions. <laughs> yes, that sir. Wind, that wind cut through you and curse, curse yourself out. Oh yes. You know what I'm saying? That oh, way, yes. that's when you fumbling the keys, trying to get the key mm. in the doorknob, and that just go. Whoosh. If you get your hands in your pockets, you like my hands fucking numb, fingers numb. Fingers tough. You know what I'm saying? And so it's it's interesting because like you know when you ride in the back of a truck and it's that cold, you have to keep moving your hands because and it hurts to move your hands because it feels like little shards of glass mm. are ripping every time you try to make a fist. It burns. It cuts. Yeah. But you gotta keep moving your hands. You gotta keep breaking the glass, man. And, and as I'm, as I'm there at six thirty in the morning, you know, I was in Montclair, and everybody knows Montclair has this mountain that sits off, and you can see the view of the Empire State Building, right? So I'm literally watching the tri-state, you know, wake up one moment at a time, like a Daniel Caesar falsetto. It's like mm. this illuminated tri-state New Jersey night sky. It's beautiful. It's such a beautiful scene. You would only see it if you were right there on that truck at that moment on Mount Napa. Mm. You know, something very poignant, very emotional. But I wouldn't be able to see that view if I didn't go through the hardship of getting up that morning, putting on putting on three layers of clothes, you know, sucking my sucking it up, you know, playing some music, get out the door, you know. But it was there I would meet guys who were not just older than me, but older than my father, mm. older than my grandfather. And they were the ones that taught me lessons like, yo, kid, you know, one can at a time. All right. You know, you young boys, you guys want to get this fast money. You guys want to do this. You want to do that. Mm. One can at a time. Okay. Get your ass up. <laughs> do what you got to do. Go home. And you better stay in school. That right. was their one thing. I don't give them what you do. You stay in school. Right. To this day, I keep that promise. Because they will go and tell me stories. Like, How old are you, kid? 19? I'm like, yeah, I was ni- I'm 19. I said, yeah, I was 19, too, when I had my first kid. You know, yeah. He's like, you, you don't want to be here. Go make something of you. Go, 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 be something. I learned being with them. You know that greatness is dirty, ugly. It's like being on the back of a garbage truck. It's mm. backbreaking, mm. but it's ultimately worth it in the end. That was a very powerful lesson I had to learn, and that it was that one right there. Mm. Greatness don't feel good. It's tiring. You know, we were talking about that earlier, right? Like, just like what it looks like, what people are looking from the outside versus what it actually feels like on the inside. Right. Really falling over that process. So I'll go on to sling trash for that year. I'll finish up my associate's degree with 3.8 GPA. So now I go from the small little college in New Jersey, community college, to the University of Southern California. Hmm. Man, I remember like it was yesterday when I got off that plane to LAX, man. LAX. California, California love. Uh, 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 yes, sir. <laughs> and so, see, in Jersey, you know, for the most part, I was around people who were kind of good, but I was like kind of special. I was the one that everyone knew was going to make it, right? Mm-hmm. See, the funny thing about Los Angeles, right? is that everybody there has that story. Right. Everybody there is special. Everybody there is talented. Everyone there has had some tri- trials and tribulations that have gotten there. Everyone there 
as that hero's journey because that's what makes Los Angeles Los Angeles city of dreams city of stars All right. that fucked with me for a long time I was now starting to do shows with people who you know already had agents already done professional work I felt so inadequate at times mm-hmm. I just remember what, what you know the guys with garbage check would tell me like yo man I don't give a damn if you got one line it better be the best damn I've ever heard in my life Right. It's my first role at this top ten acting school at USC, at the school, school of Dramatic Arts. You know, I had to play a rabbit. <laughs> mm. I didn't even have lines. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like? That shit was like it says, "Brer Rabbit enters the space, Brer Rabbit leaves the space." That's it. That's all I had. And like, again, I'll start doing my research into Brer Rabbit. He's a character that comes from like you know African American folklore and stuff, and sort of a trickster character who uses wits and talents to get to sort of dupe the other animals but Br'er Rabbit is very much sort of synonymous with the African American experience of knowing how to talk in code knowing how to, how to use double, uh, double language double consciousness how to get through the days of dealing with the hearts of white supremacy right. so Br'er Rabbit is a very powerful figure and as I studied the role more I started to realize there are no small roles right mm-hmm. you know from there, I started to really get into animal exercises of playing around with being sort of like a rabbit-like figure of moving through the space and, you know, popping up in places you wouldn't even notice, you know? Because rabbits are hard to catch. Right. So I realized by not being seen, by trying my best not to be seen, it was like, whoa, where's the rabbit? Where do you go? Where do you go? Oh, there he is. And Br'er Rabbit was always bearing witness to what was going on in this, the world of this play called The Knock the Room that I was part of. Mm-hmm. Now, I ended up getting great reviews. I ended up getting like great feedback, and people were like you're my favorite character. It made me realize I don't give a damn if you playing a rabbit on stage. You tear that shit up. Right. It don't matter. You know. From then on, I will. You know, I will go. Um, I fleshed out for a little bit. It was kind of wild. <laughs> and Alpha actually yeah. was the first experience where. You know, I failed in my mind in a long time. Because up to that point, you gotta understand, made it through garbage, made it through evictions, made it through, you know, Jersey, made it through them winners, made it through my mama's tears, made it through all that. But Alpha was the first time where, like, I, I, you know, when Goku fought Cell, Uh and Goku said, you know what? I don't know if I can beat this motherfucker. Right. But we gonna go. And right. he battled, and he battled, and he battled. And ultimately, Goku said, you know what, Cell? You're better than me. Right. I can't beat you. Alpha tore my ass up in the room <laughs> in ways I can't even begin to even process. You know? And to this day, it's still one of the most humbling experiences of my life, actually. That, that thunder and lightning got you, huh? Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> I still got nightmares about that shit. <laughs> you know, at the time, my best friend, you know, Terrence Ware Jr., we were both pledging together. Mm-hmm. So we were throwing parties on campus. We was, we was like kid and play, man. Oh, my God. And so, uh, Terrence, obviously, Terrence Ware is now in jail for... Uh, uh, allegedly killing somebody and I don't know all the details about that but you know that's just what it is but um 
you know, dropping Alpha is something to this day that actually has really bothered me. Mm. Not because I realized that, like, I hated being a quitter. I hated being someone that quit. I hate someone that get throws in the towel. But that was an experience where I had to be like, oh, I had to say, you know what? If I continue this, I'm going to fail my classes. You know what I'm saying? Right. If I continue this, I'm gonna, it's going to take me from theater. You know, if I continue this, I'm not going to be at the school. Right. You know? may even be alive. Who knows? The stuff that I was doing. Right. You know? <laughs> right. And, and I had to ask myself a very powerful question. Like, is it worth it? You know, right. is this worth everything I'm about to go through? Everything I took to get out here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. My mom will live on a third floor of a building in North New Jersey. I can't risk not finishing for what? I mean, no. And so I had to make the tough decision to be like, you know what? I'm done. Right. And it hurts. But there was a powerful lesson there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There's a difference between quitting and walking away. Right. You know? Some, some, not everything is for you. If something is not for you, it's not going to serve you. Mm-hmm. It also taught me that just because you made it in this realm doesn't mean you're going to make it in this one. That every experience requires humility. Mm-hmm. And every experience, you're only as good as your last, you're only as good as your last game, your last play, your last tough experience. So just because you got through this doesn't mean you're going to get through that. You don't know what that's like. Right. So, after I left Alpha, you know, I realized, you know what? You're not invincible, man. You're still human. You have weaknesses, and that's okay. Right. I would then go on to study the British American Drama Academy. Man. This is where Chadwick Boseman studied at. I thought I knew Shakespeare. I thought I knew what that was like. Mm-hmm. Going over there with them, they saw they call it trust the pro the process. They don't say process, it's process. Mm. Pro emphasis on pro. Pro. They broke my they broke me down the way alpha they broke me down artistically with acting the way alpha broke me down online. Mm. And then I came to realize something. I couldn't think about something. I thought about alpha, I thought about garbage, I thought about sports, I thought about being in London and acting. I realized there's always a process to whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. It don't matter. There's and to be whether someone's whooping your ass is one thing, but there is pain involved in that process. There is no way you can grow without pain. Right. There's just no way. I wish we can get the. I wish there was another way. You know, but there isn't. But it's through that. It's that I came to realize it's not about what you accomplish. It's not about you becoming this big star. It's who you become in the process. Right. You know, I had to play Queen Elizabeth. I played a woman. <laughs> played a rabbit. Played a woman in a skirt. Had to have sex with a man. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Right. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't know that part. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I left that out for a while. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I had to wear a skirt, a corset, and have sex with a, with a, with a, a man. A woman played a man. Wow. You know, different. So so the woman played a man and then you played a woman and y'all had to have sex. Yep, I had to ride ride up him. Wow. In front of my mother. Wow, that's crazy. (laughs) Mother came to the show, so, you know. Jeez. 
And so now it's crazy, right? So now, you know, the London, yo, London, living in London, yo, was one of the crazy experiences in my life, bro. Oh, God. You gotta understand. And from, from Jersey, right? Here, you feel me? I'm in London, bro. I was in the middle of, of Piccadilly Circus. I walked across the bridge. And I sat there. And I just looked out. And I started crying. Because I was like, yo, like... Like, of all the motherfuckers around me, look, I'm the one here. My granddaddy ain't never got further than Virginia. Right. <clears throat> you know, my mom and my mom, my dad, my brother, nobody. I'm here in London right now. It, you know, it was a sort of like transcendental ascending kind of exp- outer body experience that like I'm in the middle of one of the largest international cities in the world. My black ass, who was a garbage man, slinging trash, bro. Right. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, I was slinging trash. Now I'm here, you know. Look, sorry, my voice all out too, so. But, you know, and here I am, and I'm on the process, and I'm starting to see the fruits of the labor. That's a day. And so this is what makes London very interesting in America, right? A little, little, little economic sponsors. Great Britain subsidizes the arts. What that means is that the government pays for arts education and artistic endeavors. Mm. So America does not. Which is why we have to pay $300 to see a Broadway show. I have never seen a Broadway show. Because I'm not giving nobody $300. We, we, we ain't never had no $300 to give no, no damn show growing up. You feel me? Right. And we're talking $300 tickets. So you, your mother, your father, you know what I'm saying? That's, right. a, that's a stack. Right. I ain't paying nobody paying for that. So, bro, I saw Kit Harrington, Jon Snow. I had to bring him back. I saw him do uh, True as the Sam Shepard play I saw Letitia Wright from Black Panther bro I watched her in theaters I was two feet from her I watched her at the Young Victorian Theater I saw um, Martin Freeman from Black Panther at the at the Harold the Harold Pinter Theater mm. um, I saw dudes on TV bro and it was right there and then you realize how like British theater training is so different than American bro they really care about the work there's, if you're an actor, you do film, television, stage, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Right. Where there is a split between television and film and theater in America, you know? And so I was so fascinated with just how, you know, the arts worked over there. I saw plays at the National Theater, at the Young Victorian Theater. I saw a play every the night, bro, because it was like $30 a ticket, bro. You know? Right, it was a lot cheaper. A lot cheaper, man, because again, economic systems. And so. It blew my mind to realize, like, wow, America, we don't have all the answers, bro. There are people who, well, we're the greatest country in the world. No, we're not. There are things that we could literally do to make this country better. And subsidizing the arts is one of them. Right. So you start to really look at, like, economic systems. You know what else is great about London? There were no frats. (laughs) So I didn't have to feel bad about dropping out because you realize all this stuff is just American. And sometimes we can be in this American mindset where we think everything is about us, where we do things, and bro, it's really not. Right. We're the weird ones, actually. Right. Healthcare, universal healthcare, that's that thing. People are already doing that. That's not, that's not, that's not, like, that's not new. And so there's no frats. There's no American football. Everybody watches soccer. Like, all these things started to transform how I saw the world. The boy who was just slinging trash, you know? Mm-hmm. And speaking speaking of football, you played at USC. 
speaking of, because things with things in my life come back full circle. I got back from London. One of my friends died. Who was at? Who was in West Point? And you know, I walked away from sports, and I had one more goal. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try to walk on the football team at the University of Southern California, one of the greatest football teams of all time. And I snuck into and I snuck into the locker room. Begged on the coaches. Everyone said, "Screw you, get out." And this one woman named Cheryl Taplin said, "Okay." I said, "Miss Taplin, I don't care if I'm gonna be a, a water boy. Just please give me a chance." And she said, "Okay, trials next week. You better be there at 4:30." I was there at three o'clock, waiting for the finish practicing. Man, I trained the whole summer with some JUCO boys, and I made the team. But see, making the team is easy. Staying on the football team is a lot harder because now you got 6 a.m. workouts, then you got class, then you got 2 p.m. meetings, 4 p.m. film film sessions, 6 o'clock practices, 8 o'clock eat, 10 o'clock shower, do it all over again. Right. And I was playing with guys who are in the NFL now. I mean, half the guys I play with are on the, are on the NFL roster. Once again, you know, that feeling of inadequacy was starting to come back. Like I wasn't with guys who were good. I was with guys who were the best of their game. We watch these people on TV. We don't realize how good they actually are. And this one coach was saying to me, you know, you you don't got to be the strongest. Just get stronger. Hmm. All these, I guess what I'm here to say is like all these different experiences I went on, there was a challenge I had to accept. There was a mentor I met. And there was a process I had to go to to getting the the the, the sword or the shield or the, or the hero's art, uh, emblem. Right. You know. Right. Mm-hmm. There there was that constant loop. Football was just like London, which was just like garbage, which was just like Alpha. It was all the same. It was a process. I got my ass whooped every single day. It was embarrassing. And my name was thirty seven. And I thought about this for a while, this idea of transformation and translation, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes we move through one word, the next, we can we can translate, we can bring some stuff over. Sometimes we completely transform. Right. Over the past four or five years, I was a garbage man. A actor, a woman who had sex on stage, a rabbit, <laughs> you know, a traveler in London, right. you know, and a football player whose name was 37. It made me start to think of how powerful transformation actually is. How we take on so many different identities as actors, but also as people, depending on where we are. We mm. play so many roles, we have so many different hats. Um, I will go on to probably get to the greatest shit I've ever got in my life. Every day I worked my ass off, first guy in, last guy out, and I played with dudes who inspired me to get better every single day. What, posi- you know what? what position did you play? Played, huh? What position did you play? I played corner. Cornerback. Yeah, I, I, used to, I used to get good, but you know, I could strap, I could strap niggas up. No way. You know, and, and, and so you know, I finished up playing ball, and I almost quit. I almost quit that too. But I said, you know what? You got to remember, it's the process. It's not supposed to feel good. Right. And by the end of it, they said, well, we wish you came out two years ago." But I said, you know what? That wasn't my journey. Mm-hmm. I had to learn the lesson from the beginning. The same lesson Alpha teaches me, the same lesson from back in high school stuff is that greatness is dirty, it's ugly, it sucks, it doesn't feel good. You know, I've heard a lot. 
I've heard the, you know, protect black women stuff from all my black women females. I feel like no black women don't need to be aren't protected enough. I've heard that he's defending his wife. I've heard Will should be in jail for a lot, for a lot of different stuff. Right. I heard Chris Rock is a bitch. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard a lot. <laughs> as someone who idolizes Will Smith, me, as someone who feels like that is like, that is the man I actually want to meet one day more than anybody in this world. Gotta pick a celebrity. It'd be him, right? Right. I'm very disappointed I'm very I'm very disappointed in how he handled the situation I do think there's nothing wrong with defending your wife although I do think that she could handle herself she's from Baltimore she's okay she's a big girl right but I think the bigger thing of that will yes putting on this facade having to be this perfect negro right, right. <laughs> really the negro that they created right if you're being honest yeah will smith was created because of hollywood yep they hollywood created him so if you mad at if you mad at him then be mad at yourself because y'all created will smith y'all gave him a television show y'all made him you know, a star of all these movies. He is y'all's creation. Right. So if his hubris is so large that he would get on stage and slap a nigga, excuse my French. <laughs> well, that's on y'all. Like, they, I, I I think, you know, you said, Will for so long was sort of in, 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 in the show, right? Right. Played the game. Perfect Negro. Always said the right thing. Always, but inside, that's not how he really felt. Right. Inside, you really listen to his book to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You, know, you always feel like a coward. Right. You always feel like a liar. He was living a fantasy. Right. So I think what we're seeing, honestly, is part the, the, the part of him that is raw. The part of him that isn't so smooth, isn't so composed, isn't hitch. We was about to see a new resurgence of Will Smith. He was about we was to. going to see the second coming of Big Willie Style. That's what I'm saying, bro. That's why I'm so upset. I'm not saying I think everything you said was valid. That all the jokes and stuff and all that he couldn't take it no more. I agree. I agree. Slap that nigga off camera. <laughs> <laughs> right. And and now Chris, we haven't had to talk about Chris now because. Well, see, but, but but see with Chris, this is my thing. So uh, Charlamagne had a good point on the Breakfast Club, but he was talking about like. Okay, everybody's talking about what Will Smith and the triggers that he has, but Chris was bullied growing up, and Chris got bullied in front of the world. You know, he ain't gonna fight no Will Smith. Chris, Chris is getting washed. Like he's getting, he's getting, he's, he's getting washed. Like there's no, he's he's not he's not fighting he's not fighting no Ali. He's he's not doing it. Uh, so it's like he literally got bullied in front of the world and couldn't do nothing about it. Damn. But uh, it's been a pleasure. Should we? Should this is the longest podcast I've done since the very first one? I already knew this was gonna be. You knew, you knew this was gonna I, be I, a chat. Huh? <laughs> I knew, I knew this was gonna be gonna be a long one. But I just want to say salute 
Justin Newell, man, thank you for joining us on this week's The V-Circle Podcast. And uh, I wish you great things, my brother. I know you got great things to come. Um, you know, when you get that when you get that movie premiere, I need I need I need I need an invite, man. I need to be invited to the premiere, man. You already know. Hey, man, you already there, man. All right, got your ticket waiting, man. Come on, man. Shoot, man. So, all right, man. We'll do your thing. Have a good night. And uh, yeah, appreciate you, man. Much love, brother. You too. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Yes, sir. All right. I was finished. finished. You thought that I was dead and gone. I'm here to get to the business. I got my blue blazer on. And I don't really vibe with no hater, no. I ain't got no time, I'll be moving on. Please don't come around if you going down. Let me show you what this NLS is all I'm about. Make my own man, make my own way. Push it to the limits of my dying day. Oh man, oh man, oh man